And uh, the only thing that was on TV that I felt worth watching was the old Ten Commandments. Anyone seen that? Charlton Heston? Ten Commandments? Yeah? Uh, it's not the first movie that I go to, right? Uh, but that night I did. I sat down, I watched the whole thing. I was really impressed with myself because it is a long movie. Uh, I sat there and I watched the whole thing. I went to bed that night and I was really, really troubled and stirred in my spirit. And um, it had this um, very... Well, God actually used that movie to bring me back to himself. Uh, we had a conversation, God and I. Uh, it was a bit of a... It was like a three-hour argument because uh, I wasn't looking forward, looking to coming back to Christ. I wasn't looking to become a Christian. I was enjoying my life, enjoying the things that I was doing. And then God just really opened up my, my mind and he said, well, look at what you've done. Look at what you've done with your life ever since I gave you the reins. You've done nothing with it. Uh, in fact, all you've done is destroy your life. He showed me a number of times where I should have been dead, uh, where he saved my life. And in the end, there was no other arguments I could come up with. And he said, there is nothing that you have done that Christ's blood cannot cleanse. That Jesus' death on the cross is sufficient for the sins that you've committed. It's time for you to come back to me. And so I gave my life to Christ, recommitted my life to Christ that night. Uh, I woke up, it was a great night's sleep. I woke up in the morning, I was still living at home with my parents. I woke up in the morning, I walked out uh, into the dining hall. And my mum and dad, no one else was in the home. Mum and dad were just standing there. And they looked at me and they said, you all right? What's wrong, Marty? I, I never said a word. All I did was just walk out. But they must have had something different about me or, or something. And they said, oh, I just said it. I'm like, Last night I gave my life to Christ. Now all three of us broke down, cried and hugged each other and it was a lovely moment. Uh, that was 1994. So I've been a Christian longer now than, you know, more than half my life uh, than a non-Christian. Uh, and God has taken me in all different sorts of places. Uh, I'm in aged care. Never thought I'd be there. But here I am preaching God's word to people living with dementia and God in his spirit is using uh, faithful preaching and ministry of the word to transform hearts and lives for the truth, of, for, the, for the gospel, for the kingdom. But what I want us to look at today is that just as God used the Ten Commandments to transform my life, right, He's speaking to us today through those same commandments. He's speaking through us through Jesus as well because Jesus came to fulfill those commandments. And so I want us to see the continuity between the two. I want us to see why Jesus had to come and do what he had to do. And I want, to see, I want us to see how we are to live in a life, live a life, in accordance to those passages and what God has done for us. 
That's where I want us to go today. The first thing I want us to do is to think about how you felt as those Ten Commandments were being read out to you. I don't know when was the last time it was that you actually read the Ten Commandments yourself. Right? I don't know the last time that you actually meditated on those Ten Commandments, that you actually allowed those commandments to flow through you, just to consume you, to think heavily on them. But I want you to see, uh, if we can have it up there, uh, verses uh, 18 to 20, how the Israelites responded when Moses read out the Ten Commandments given to him by God. Did you notice how they responded? When the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, what did they do? They trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance. They were terrified of what they had just heard and what they had seen. Speak to us yourself and we will listen. But don't let God speak to us or we'll die. You see, the Israelites came to a realisation there and I don't think we've really come to that realisation. I'm hoping that we really will today. But we kind of take this for granted, a lot of this for granted. But the Israelites came to the realisation of who they are and who God is. Remember, God's just taken them out of Egypt. He's brought them through the wilderness. They've whinged and complained all the way through. Right? Ever since they were brought across the Red Sea, seeing God do all the miraculous things that he did in Egypt, the parting of the sea, bringing them into the wilderness, bringing them to Sinai. Yes, God is amazing God and who he is and what he had done, but they didn't really understand him. And then they experienced this. They faced with the holy God the holy God of Israel, not just of Israel, of the universe, the God who created all things, the God who is holy and righteous, just and true. They've come face to face with this God at this mountain. Moses has run out, read out his commandments. These are my standards. This is how I want you to live. This is what sets you apart from every other nation. I want you to live a holy and righteous life because I am holy and righteous. Full stop, exclamation mark, thunder, lightning, trumpets, right? I'm serious about this, is he saying. That's what he's doing. I'm serious about this. I am a holy God, a righteous God, and I want my people to be a holy people, a righteous people, a people belonging to me. The response is our response, really. 
clean. It's a right response. They feared him. They trembled with fear. They were terrified because they realized who they are and how far short they fall of God's standards, of what he expects of his people. Before we move into Matthew, another example I want to give to you, it's not going to be up on the screen, but it's just coming through now, is Isaiah chapter 6. If you haven't read Isaiah chapter 6, read Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 is when Isaiah meets, he's taken up into the throne room of God. The cherubim are flying around. And they're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah falls face down as if dead. Again, he comes to the realisation for the first time ever of who he is, his fallenness, his sinful nature, and who God is and his holiness. He says, woe is me, woe is me. I am an unclean man with unclean lips and I am a people from un- I am from a people of unclean lips. And that's when the seraphim comes across and puts a hot coal on his lips and cleanses him as a symbol of his sanctification in front of God, being clean, made right before God. You see, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus understands this. We didn't understand this. And I don't know that we still understand this. Because I don't know about you, but every day I take for granted the holiness of God. The way I live my life the things I say, the decisions that I make, I am not thinking about the holiness of God. Do you? Have a look at Matthew 5, 17 to 20. The context is in, ch- in verse 1, right? Crowds are following Jesus. Jesus goes up onto the mountain He sits down, right? Now, when a rabbi sits down, that means, right, you get out your pen and paper and you start to take notes. He's about to say something and that something is really important. This is a teaching moment, okay? It's a teaching moment. So he goes up on the mountain, he sits down, his disciples come before him and he starts to preach. He goes through the Beatitudes, you know the Beatitudes, and then he talks about salt and light. And then he comes to these verses. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. 
For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not a small letter, so not, it's actually better translated as a jot or a tittle, uh, but not a small letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the Lord until everything is accomplished. You see, Jesus came for a purpose. And most Christians and most of us believe, because we hear it all the time, right? And it's the right way of preaching. Jesus came to die on a cross for our sin. He rose again, defeating sin, death and Satan, so that we might rise again from the dead and have eternal life with him. Yes, that's why Jesus came. But what does Jesus say here? Jesus says, I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets. And for Jesus to do that, he had to be incarnate. He had to become a child, a baby. He had to take on human flesh. He couldn't cheat, come at the age of 30, live three years, die on a cross, and rise and you know the rest of the story, ascend into heaven. He couldn't do that. He had to fulfill the whole of the law. And the whole of the law starts at the eighth day, doesn't it? The eighth day after you're born, for a Jewish man, you're circumcised. Well, for a Jewish man, you were circumcised. He went through, he learnt, he sat under the laws, the scribes, the Pharisees. We read about that in Luke, in Luke, don't we? At the age of 12, he's sitting in the temple at Jerusalem and he's in his father's house and he's listening to the scribes and the Pharisees teaching the word and he's also responding and preaching and teaching and they're astounded at such a young age his knowledge of the scriptures we then are transported to the baptism of Christ aren't we and John says no no you shouldn't be baptizing me I should be the one being baptized you what does Jesus say no no this is to be done to fulfill to fulfill what he's said to fulfill the law. To fulfill what was prophesied about me in the Old Testament. I have to be baptised. And so he was. All this had to be done. All this had to be fulfilled so that Christ could be the perfect atoning sacrifice. Jesus came and sinned, did all that we do. He was not the perfect living sacrifice. He came to fulfill the law because like the Israelites with fear and dread when we read those laws, we're going, how the heck can we do that? We can't do that. It's too much. God knows that. That's why he sent his son Jesus to fulfill it on our behalf. Yom Kippur, right? The Day of Atonement. That's the day set aside once a year, once a year, when the high priest would offer sacrifices on behalf of all of Israel. Blood was shed to wash the sins of Israel away. And then he would lay hands on a goat. They'd bring a goat, right? They laid hands on the goat, transferring that. This is called a scapegoat, right? They'd lay hands on the goat, and then they'd send the goat off out of Jerusalem 
on its way. Oh, the sins were taken out. Where was Jesus sacrificed? Where was he crucified? Outside the gates of Jerusalem. He's our scapegoat as well. See, Jesus is the ultimate. He is the atoning sacrifice made once and for all. The Day of Atonement, that was a yearly ritual. But Jesus came and did it. He did it once. He did it for you and he did it for me. And what were the words that he said, the last words that he said while he was hanging on the cross? Three words. It is finished. It is accomplished. It is fulfilled. Right? It is fulfilled. I've come to fulfill the law. It is finished. I'm the perfect sacrifice. I'm dying on the cross for you.